right in front of him. Crowder looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome to another edition of the Just Basketball Show. I'm Brendan Clean. That is Chris Manning. We are joining you on a Friday for uh, a, a end of week show. We have absences and returns to get to today. It's uh, it's that part of the year where injuries are determining a lot, and we're going to go through who's back, who might not be back, what that means long term, what that means for the playoffs, what it will impact the rest of the season. You can follow us wherever you find your podcasts, audio, Spotify, Apple, of course, YouTube. If you're here, hit follow or subscribe to get this show in your feed twice a week. You can also drop a comment below on YouTube and follow us on social media, wherever you are, we are, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Chris, um, I, I, I wanted to give you some sort of nice insight. We're going to start with Kevin Durant as far as the returns go, and I was at his debut yesterday, but... It was a little uneven. I was going to have some some cool thing to say to you, some nice thing to fire off about how lucky I was to be at the game or some cool insight that I got. I don't have much. Um, well, Durant I, looked I, rusty. I have a question for you. I have a, I have a question yeah. for you that I think hits on kind of what you're looking for, and I think it takes us out of the just wondering too much about, like, you know, how did he look, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. This was a, I think this is a unique return for a couple of reasons. Number one, obviously, you don't get many midseason all-star deadline, trade deadline, big trades. You just don't. We don't mm-hmm. get guys of Kevin Durant's caliber historically and right now getting traded at the trade deadline. You just don't get that. Secondly, he was supposed to have his home debut and he got hurt in the warm-up for said previous home debut. So this is like a delayed anticipated thing. The playoffs, the stakes are coming. So I ask you, what was the energy like? What was the mood like? I've seen a couple quotes here and there from Suns players. I saw just recently like an Okogi one. But for you and being in that arena, taking it in, what was the tell us about what the energy was like? The energy was awesome. Uh, he the he went first in the pregame announcements, um, pregame lineups, and Booker went last. Cool little thing. I don't know if anyone else nerds out about that, but I do. It's a cool oh, I, way to I, do I, it. I, I love that. I love that stuff. Booker has to be last, right? Um, how did yeah. they do it in Cleveland with when LeBron came back? I assume he just immediately became last. Did, did Kyrie get called first? What was that? How did that? I, I don't. I, I think Kyrie was first, uh, and they obviously LeBron last. And now they do it like positionally, so it's like uh, it goes Darius, Donovan, Okoro, and ends with Jared Allen. Ah, well, I I feel for Donovan Mitchell. I feel like he earned that. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, the 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 energy was awesome. Um, I've never seen one human being get more attention doing something so inane as pregame warmups, but there were more cameras and human beings circling the sun side of the court before the game. Probably halfway to to measure if if his ankle was gonna bend again and halfway just to see the uh the the real in the flesh KD, which uh it's been seven weeks almost since the trade happened. So it was a little bit crazy that we're still waiting uh and that it it finally happened yesterday but yeah he's gonna play seven games with this team on top of the three he already played so what was already gonna be you know the shortest little runway we've ever seen got got cut in half and he didn't look awesome i'm not worried about that i think he was just forcing some shots and not really himself they still won over minnesota in what was a a pretty big game anyway and and he made some big buckets in the third quarter especially 
So, um, you know, off to a fine start. They're going to get it figured out offensively. I think without a doubt, we'll see them play a better team on Friday with Denver. But yeah, it was it was honestly funny to see Durant be nervous. Durant like admit to feeling some nerves. That's not a, a condition that I would associate with anybody who's in the Hall of Fame of anything that they do. And yet he was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you want it too bad. That was what he said. Um, so what did you think? You watched the game. Yeah, you know, he looked rusty. He looked like someone who came off a, 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 a second injury that kind of delayed any rhythm he had. It looked like it was a big moment that, it, that he was eager to get back. I also just, I came away thinking the Wolves are pretty good. I think yeah. the Wolves, like, since Cat's been back in a way that I, look, I, I, didn't, I didn't have super high expectations for that, but they've, they look good at coming back, and they've looked like a, a legit kind of annoying team to play. Um, you know, I, it was a, I think the, the right word is, like, kind of scrappy. Uh, it was kind of, you know, just kind of kind of a, a kind of going through it. I also enjoyed that Michael Phelps was at this game. I always enjoy, like, I know I maybe just Suns games are hot now. You know, we talked about Emma Stone. We talked about all that, but, like... He lives here. I, 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 he know. does live in Phoenix. So he, oh, well, he, he went to his who. I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah. So he, he, uh, he lives in Phoenix. He comes fairly often. I don't know if he really loves being shouted out each and every time because uh, sure. he's notoriously a little uh, little private and, and high strung in some ways. So, you know, it Big is same. what it is. But so, yeah, let me let me ask you. I have one other observation. One other yeah. observation. So he plays 29 minutes. I you know, that's obviously going to get ramped up. You know, Paul plays 35 minutes. I the, the split of shots here between the three big guys on Phoenix, 18 for Booker, 15 for Paul, 18 for Durant. I got to imagine Booker and Durant are like above 20. Like, and Paul's maybe even like a little lower once things kind of really get down to it. You know, I can't imagine like Josh Okoge, bless his heart, is taking 10 shots like in, in certain playoff games. Like maybe those they come his way, maybe he has to, but... I, I think like the, the the thing is this felt like just like okay we're wetting our whistle we got Durant back this isn't going to be perfect right away we're all trying to figure this out but it's going to just keep escalating and getting bigger minute totals and more shot attempts and and more Kevin Durantness I think as you know we get these last couple of regular season games and Durant gets comfortable I actually think the opposite is going to happen um, not that mm. you're you're probably right on the shot distribution. In general, especially, I know you're sort of getting us ahead to like a game five, a game seven of a, of a playoff series, and, and you're yeah. probably what? right in those in those situations. But what the interesting thing about last night's game was uh, is that they ran, they looked more like the Suns with Kevin Durant on the team, whereas the first three games, the Suns looked like a Kevin Durant team that happened to be wearing purple and orange and or blue in some cases, which they do now. Um, and so you saw more of that traditional killer pick and roll attack that they've sharpened to one of the best offensive anythings in the NBA. But instead of Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges running some of those second side, you know, off ball screens or running a, a secondary pick and roll off some ball movement or just spacing the floor, which is a crazy thing to say that Kevin Durant can also do and punish a defense with you just saw Durant in those spots, right? And so I actually felt like that was a positive coming off of this game is that you were able to see Chris Paul have a pretty pretty solid, aggressive, consistent game, which has not been common for him this year. And Aiton get a couple of lob opportunities, a couple of downhill 
moments. Still not quite where you want him to be shot attempt wise, but it felt more normal. It didn't just feel like Durant and Booker, you know, leading the team to victory, which is going to happen and and is totally fine as a winning formula itself. But if you're talking about, you know, 20 playoff games, winning 16 playoff games to win a championship, it can't just be that over and over. And I thought last night was a good step forward for that. Uh, but to your point on Akogi too, they're going to funnel shots to players like that. And between his offensive rebounds and the open threes that defenses are just going to kind of leave him open for, um, that's going to be an interesting subplot. In those first three games with Durant, those guys, Akogi, Craig, Ish Wainwright, et cetera, though, they were getting an absurd number of shots and it was a win for the defense because they were, the Suns were sort of giving into let's find the open man, even if it's not one of our, you know, uh, all-star level guys. I thought 10 is probably on the low end for what that fifth guy is going to, is going to end up getting. And mm. it'll be interesting to see, does a Kogi make those shots? Is it somebody else in the Dallas game? The biggest game that they've played with Durant where they beat the Mavs. Akogi uh, took a bunch. I think he was 0 of 8 from three. And then Ish Wainwright got five threes and ended up swinging the game because I think he made four of them. So um, that fifth guy is still going to play a major role, even if they get some of this stuff sorted out, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. What did, what did, I, you know, Durant has this interview that goes out with Shams today as well. That he's not, doesn't care about legacy and, and all of that. But what did he have to say about his return? What did, what was kind of the Durant mood after the game? I think a lot of what I haven't read the full Shams interview yet. Uh, I have it saved, but I saw some of the the pullouts on Twitter and whatnot. And like, I think he's been trying to have that mentality ever since he got to Brooklyn, really, you know, and and like if you listen to him on his own podcast after he got traded to Phoenix and he kind of talked about how things ended in Brooklyn, what he's what he's doing here. I think, you know, it's a lot of the same. He just. It's hard to parse because obviously if you don't care about winning at all, then you're not, you know, that you wouldn't be as great as you are as an athlete. But I also think that there's a healthy perspective to try to have. And it's interesting to kind of watch him in real time, try to navigate that. There's actually another guy on this list who I think we're going to get into some of that sure. uh, with regard to in Portland. But uh, yeah, I think Durant was sort of just happy to get back out there and like get to play with the people that he, you know, commandeered his way to into playing with uh, one last stat for you on KD though, uh, before we move on. Yeah. He's now played 127 minutes with the Suns. Not a lot, obviously. They're outscoring teams by 15.3 points per 100 possessions when he's out there. And that includes last night. That includes the close Dallas game. And that includes a couple of blowout wins over Charlotte and Chicago. Even with the depth concerns, even with a bad shooting night last night, even with some minute restrictions at times, he's just uh, been a basically human win for the Suns, they're four and zero with him, and I'm I'm interested to see. They play Denver on Friday. They play the Lakers coming up. They play Denver again, and then the Clippers to close out the season. Does that continue as they play some great teams rather than some you know middling teams and bad teams? We'll see. But uh, he's been exactly what they've wanted, even though it's just been kind of stop and go. Yeah, I I think that's right, and I think it's probably good for them to get some of these games with stakes with competitive like with a little more of a competitiveness to it like late march basketball early april basketball depending on who you play can sometimes not be the crispest it can lack a little focus depending on what teams do or do not have to play for even teams that are you know kind of like in the kind of have their seed locked up you can see sometimes like their foot comes off the gas a little bit on certain nights and 
they're just like, okay, like I, we don't need to bust our, our butts for this one. We can, we can look ahead a little bit. So I think it's ultimately health provided probably good for Phoenix to have to go through some of that stuff. I, I think ultimately like I, it's a small thing, but that, I think that stuff does matter. You mentioned Minnesota, our other, our, our second return is Carl Anthony Towns. And I think honestly, uh, salute to Carl Anthony Towns before we even break down any of the semantics on this one, because the dude had a hellacious experience during the pandemic and he was very vocal and honest about that. Then he gets this calf injury and it sounds like he was pretty damn close to tearing his Achilles if he had pushed the recovery initially any harder than he did. Then he had to kind of start Mm -hmm. over, ended up missing like three plus months with something that gave uh, that they gave a six week timeline for initially, although he even said that was kind of bogus um, and was never realistic. But still, uh, I don't think he expected three months. So salute to him for even getting back onto the court. You mentioned that this game against Phoenix on Wednesday, Chris, was a little bit uh, sluggish and and just messy. And honestly, I feel like that's kind of what Minnesota has settled into as an identity. They have a lot of size, which you would think is obvious with with Towns and and Gobert. Um, but even McDaniel's, Anderson, Nas Reed, who they'll play as double in double big lineups, they have that. They rebound, they keep possession of, of, of games, and they tend to not turn the ball over a ton, although they did in this Suns game. You're having a lot of these low-scoring wins by Minnesota where the, the scoring is pretty balanced, everybody chips in, and they just seem to have an identity, which is surprising for a team that, like we just said, was without Towns for a good portion of the year. Yeah, I, and I still think there's stuff to be figured out. Like, And I think it helps that like they have guys who are very smart like they have Chris Finch who's like I think a really good coach and, and knows how to design an offense and like before he was a head coach was incredibly well thought of as like an offensive game planner type I, I like I think Mike Conley for you know we can that trade is sort of funny because it's clearly just like we don't want D'Lo but you have Mike Conley who knows how to play basketball knows how to to organize things knows how to kind of keep the trains moving along he had a quote uh, in this NBA.com piece that I'm going to read that I, I found kind of funny Quote, I've played with pick-and-pop bigs and guys who can roll. Marcus Gasol is, is probably the closest comparison as far as offensive game. It worked pretty well in Memphis. I'm eager to play with all the pieces together. He's comparing Gasol to Towns, which is just, like, very funny because, like, Towns and Gasol are, like, offensive. Like, I understand there's some similarities and Gasol, like, would shoot it, but Towns is, like, a volume shooter in a way that Gasol, like, really wasn't. So, like, there is, like, just even with that, some of the adjustment stuff. This This yeah. is... Like, would, would it shock you at this point, depending on how fast this comes along, if they are like a, a first round, like can pull an upset in round one, depending on who they play? Like, I, I don't know if I would be super surprised. There are clearly still things to figure out. There are clearly still like towns go bear things that I think are kind of under the surface that are kind of you got to figure that stuff out and make that work and defensively, especially make it work. A lot of the Gobert's quotes of late, I think, have, have really hit on that. But like, I, I like this team just seems kind of good. And, I, and I'm I'm intrigued to see kind of what they can kind of pull together here the rest of the way. Not a title contender, but I think a definitely a hard out in round one if they, you know, if they depending on who they play. They're pretty experienced, you know, like Edwards and McDaniels are the young guys, quote unquote, but they're uh, some of the better players on the team. They've also now been through a playoff series coming off of last year. And a lot of the, other pieces, whether it's Gobert, Towns, Conley, Anderson, 
even Jordan McLaughlin, who's kind of just this, you know, traditional 5'11 backup point guard who doesn't really make mistakes and, and treads water while he's out there. They're all just steady. And I, I feel like that really goes a long way when you talk about the way that they've been able to just sort of control games. Um, I don't know if I'm picking them in a, in a Western Conference playoff series. I do think the Minnesota Lakers play-in game, if we get that, is going to be potentially very, very good and entertaining. You know, Ant and Towns going head-to-head with LeBron and AD. I Maybe I pick the Lakers, but I still think it would be a very competitive game. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Minnesota-Memphis rematch. Maybe Minnesota has the upper hand. I doubt it. I don't think I would pick them. But they're, it, they've at least been able to salvage this season, and Towns coming back when he did gave them enough time to feel like they have an idea of what this is. And I think the returns have been better than expected, especially better than the jokes would have led you to believe. I have a question for you, though. Did you see what Rudy Gobert said about the officiating? Oh, I did. uh, What in the hell is he doing? Look, here's the thing. I don't think anyone is happy with officiating right now. Is it like a deep state? Like, is... No, it's definitely... definitely, Like, what? Yeah, it definitely it definitely read like Rudy Gobert was like the QAnon like like guy of like against NBA refs like they were like like he basically gave the Luca money sign without giving the but like in word form like he was articulate about it you know what I mean like these quotes were very out there I also just think broadly like no one seems happy with any of the officiating right now I don't I like I the Cavs Hawks game the other night both sides were just like like repeatedly very annoyed about a lot of officiating things and like. You know, I, th- I think certainly like the Luca thing obviously has gotten a lot of thing. And Jeff Van Gundy talked about this recently on on uh, Zach Lowe's podcast. And I tend to think that he a lot of what he said about guys being able to say whatever they want with no repercussions is, is frankly correct. No, but no one seems happy with a, with how basketball is being called right now. Pretty much every day, I feel like I'm seeing someone complaining about the refs in some way, shape, or form. Be, and the Gobert thing is just like the most extreme of those, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was bizarre. And uh, you know, Suns fans have a a gripe about officiating themselves because it's just been an ongoing thing, especially in the playoffs. And so a lot of people were pulling and being like, Minnesota actually gets a lot of free throws. So I'm not even really sure what he's talking about. Gobert is definitely by no means a player who, you know, consistently lives at the line. It was strange, but, uh, I, I pulled the, um, the lineup data with Towns and Gobert on the court. And the the returns now, it is 938 possessions, and they're plus one per 100. It's not terrible. And there's their, uh, well, their current starting lineup hasn't played enough to log. The, the D'Angelo Russell starting lineup was actually pretty solid, plus 5.4 per 100 possessions. Um, you know, with the Conley one, I think it's plus 2.5, it looks like. So it's been able to survive and be a positive. You maybe want it to be a little better than that, but I just think people have fixated a little too much on how bad it was from a value standpoint with the trade itself and not enough on the fact that it's working. It's working fine. They've taken a a step forward, I think as a team, or at least, you know, a state afloat and they're, they're, they're still good. Could win a playoff series. That's where they were last year. It wasn't some monumental failure of, of team building. Yeah. What I, what I think, and maybe this is like a, a, a line in the sand we can draw in this show, I think together is, Trades will happen. We can say this trade makes sense from a value standpoint or it doesn't. 
And I think at a certain point, you just got to say, we have to move on and evaluate what is in front of us. And I think with the Wolves, it's like you just have to evaluate Gobert as he's in front of you and not focus. So I think you're right in saying you don't need to focus so much on the trade you gave up when he's a Timberwolf. Now, you can, we, if you go a big picture, where are the Wolves at? That certainly plays a part in it. But in us talking about the playing race, the fact that they gave up all those picks for him and all that stuff to do this, I, I, it's not exactly as relevant to me as it would be for having like a much bigger conversation where the, where the trade had just happened. Yeah, Fair? agreed. All right, let's move okay. on to the first absence well, that right we're in, discussing, quick, which is Paul. Yeah, We do have some, there is a little bit of news I think we should have done. I text you, but I don't know if you saw this, but we yes, should hit on I did, this Julius quick. Randall. Okay, so yeah. we should just hit on tell this us real the, quick. Tell us the update. So that's okay, an absence, so he's gonna right? Be, so yes, this is an absence, but this is like the, the, the biggest news hook that we have. He's going to be out, uh, the team, the Knicks say, a minimum of two weeks. Guess what starts in about two weeks, Brennan? Uh, the, the NBA, NBA playoffs. playoffs. The NBA playoffs. So I, this injury did not look good. This injury, if you read the quotes post-game from the, from the, the Knicks, did not seem exactly uh, super optimistic. They play five more games in the regular season, including a game against Cleveland in Cleveland on Friday. Uh, and they are currently, if they're four and they're four games back of the Cavs, they are three and a half games upon the Nets. So they might still be able to to be that five seed. I think that that seems pretty possible, considering there's not a ton of time left for the Nets to make that up. But if Randall is out, and like this is like something that persists and costs in playoffs, like this cooks their season. This absolutely like they're not winning a series. I don't think they're beating the Cavs anyway. I know you do. You're on the record of I've saying heard. this. Yes. I've heard you don't think that they're going to be. Yeah. No, I, I all, all, like, but if you don't have Julius Randle, who's having an all NBA season, you're not winning a first round series. You're just not. Agreed. I, I mean, uh, that, that goes without saying, right? I mean, I think that, that the limitations of their team has, have always centered on the fact that their half court offense, especially is, is driven almost entirely by Brunson and Randall. And so either one of them going out, you would expect would, would, would limit them quite a bit. I think they actually survived better than expected without Brunson because their yep. depth, I think is stronger at guard, right? Quickly stepped up. He had his big game in, in that stretch when they beat Boston. Um, you have had Grimes and other guys get hot from three or just do a little more with the ball in their hands. Even Barrett at times kind of has slid in. I think he played pretty well in, Brunson was out, so they don't have anything close to what Randall is. I mean, there's really no player in the entire NBA that's super similar to what Randall is. I guess like Anthony no. Davis, maybe. But you but know, like, you're not, you're not, you're not going to say, okay, Obi Toppin, exactly. go to work. Like that's not happening. Yeah, Obi Toppin play 35, 40 minutes and absolutely cook for us on offense and carry our offense. Yeah, like, can you just make like is. eight threes and get like 12 assists and like 14 rebounds, Obi? Like, <laughs> hey, good can, luck. Can you carry? Our, can you carry our half court offense in the playoffs against the front court of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen? Okay, thanks, please. Like that was already going to be yeah, hard, exactly. and that you're asking like, wait, like. And it's a bummer. Like, I, I will say, like, this is a bummer. You don't want injuries at this time of the year to anybody of anyone, particularly the guys that are that are playing at the level Randall is. I would like to see more competitive series. And if they, it's just this takes the wind out of their sails, I think. But that we, we will see. Yeah. We will revisit this, like, when that series is locked up, when we know maybe a little bit more about Randall. We'll kind of see what the, the reporting says beyond what the official team says. Let's go to our next absence. Yeah, it's Paul George. So... Uh, this was incredibly gruesome, uh, which I just feel bad for Paul George with. He's had 
several of those, uh, at least, at least, you know, the, the major one with the, the leg once upon a time. And this one was kind of like what happened to Giannis in the 2021 conference finals with the hyperextension. And it came in just like the very, very last moments of the game. And they've said two to three weeks and then a reevaluation. And that was basically starting last week. So, you know, we'll, we will see what their official diagnosis is, but we've had Sham Sharania in the meantime, coming out and saying, Paul George is going to be out for an extended period of time. You try to get out of the first round. If you're the Clippers to give yourself a chance to get him back, uh, missing the entire first round, Chris, it seems as if they are probably going to play Phoenix. I would have been excited for that series if everybody had been healthy. But I don't feel great about it with no Paul George. I mean, is there any hope for the Clippers to win a playoff series? We just did this with Randall if Paul George is, is not around. No, and like I, I think to the Clippers' credit, like Russ was incredible against... The Grizzlies uh, really showed up big in that game, played amazing. And look, I think he's actually been pretty helpful for them. I think particularly while Paul has been out and then and double so, you know, and Kawhi's out, like he's actually think been a pretty effective player for them in, in the way they've kind of needed him to be. Also, uh, yeah, that Russ, also, that Russ 31. What did he have the other night? He had like 31 and he's like trash talking Dylan Brooks and 36. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and and the, f- Russ the photo, won the NBA well, the, public zero, I guess, big W for Russell Westbrook there. Well, and then my photo above him, like I'm trying to recreate it stupidly on YouTube and pulling away from my mic, but like he's like flexing up in the air. I thought was like incredible. I, I just like maybe one of the best sports photos like I've seen. But yeah, like I mean, you don't have Paul George. It's like you're in it. The way that what Sham said about it, it seems like maybe he's not even going to be back for round one, and like. Are yeah. you getting out of round one against like even if the Suns are patching things together? Are you or you or you slide to six and you get the Kings? Like you shouldn't like a, like it's so much on Kawhi at that point, and he's been Brennan. I think somewhere between a top five to seven NBA player the last couple months. Like he has been a Terminator. He has been like great Kawhi, but is that enough? If he's that for a seven game series, is that enough to get them? Even with a lot of the role guys I like, even with some of the tinkering they're doing, I, I don't know if that's like enough to carry over a Kings team that has this insane offense and over the Suns team that has all of the scoring power it does. Like it's asking so much of Kawhi. And regardless of how good he's been in whatever way you want to evaluate that, I think that's just yeah. like putting them in a really tough spot. It's been a weird year for Paul George. I I Clippers fans don't seem to like him very much. I, th- I think it's just I been a weird like year he, for the, the Clippers in general, but like Paul's... Well, it's been a weird like half decade for the Clippers, right? I mean, well, did you, since did they you, got did these you, guys. Did you see the, the clips of Ty Lue going around? How he talked about like, hey, he had like seven family members die and he couldn't go back to... He didn't feel like he could go back to any of the funerals. And like, that's a guy in Ty who like, remember when he's in Cleveland, he steps away. For a little bit. Yeah. Like, this guy has been through some stuff. And it's just, like... Like, at a certain point, like, the gravity of that, the weight of that, I think absolutely has to kick you down a little bit, no? Like, that's hard. Sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, for, Ka- for, then, for Ty and, you know, the players who care about him and whatever, it... This was supposed to be the season that they got things back on track, right? That this was, you know... Yeah, there will be a load management 
yeah, you know, we're kind of a a new team, relatively speaking, because there's some pieces we have to integrate and then Russ comes along. But all things considered, this was supposed to be the peaceful year and it hasn't been. They haven't really had one because, you know, the pandemic hits the end of their first season together, then the Kawhi injury. Now this, um, Paul George also got COVID right before the play-in game last year and they ended up losing. Like it just has been uh, hamstrung, this, this, this group, this core. So, yeah, I mean, I think Paul George at his best when he's getting downhill, when he's distributing the ball, when he's not just settling for jumpers. We had, we've seen that in flashes at times this season, but, you know, it's not been consistent. So Kawhi is definitely the best player on this team. I think, you know, I'm not going to put it past him to keep a, any series relatively competitive. They have enough depth here to make up for some of these things. Obviously, we just talked about the fact that they beat the, you know, the fully healthy, you know, Grizzlies, although obviously Steven Adams and Brandon Clark are out like they will be for the rest of the year. That's a pretty impressive win, but, and no Kawhi in that game either. I just, you know, you're talking about, you know, Phoenix with Durant and everything else. I don't, I don't feel very strongly about it. Any, uh, any more PG thoughts or can we go to another return be on a, a more positive note here? You know, I, the only other thoughts that I, that I have kind of about there is that I, I do just want to again hit as much as I am not the big, we we are we're not I think collectively the biggest Russ guy. I like some of the stuff with him got really weird. Like the vampire from the locker room stuff got weird, right? Like yeah. I, I, as someone who has really enjoyed Russ and in like I think we all sometimes could benefit from having like the Russ attitude and like the the mental fortitude that dude needs to have in himself. Like I certainly mm-hmm. uh, at times lately felt like I could use a little more just like self like drive at that level like like that just purely kind of just like unbreakable level this it kind of really makes me happy that russ is doing some really important stuff for the clippers and and you know there's a there's an estimation blog that he's like saved their season i don't know if i'd go that far but he's been awesome for them and like it it kind of it just makes me it, it's it, the the non-cynic in me is just really happy to see russ doing some cool stuff yeah you remember that meme construction that was like get you a man who or whatever, and then it would be X yeah. thing that you should try yes. to find in your in your partner. Um, I feel like it should just be get get you a personality that is as strong with the mental fortitude and self confidence that Russell Westbrook has. Like I don't even forget trying to like date or marry somebody like Russ. I just want to I just want to have it. I just want to consume the personality <laughs> traits, and then you take I, advantage of them. I don't really want to like have proximity to it. I want I want it. That's that's right. Yeah, I'm. I want to be able. I want to be able to like have all this drama surrounding me and then just like get in my car, post a clipped Instagram or Twitter or whatever of like Beyonce is like, you won't break, you my, break soul. my soul. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just vibing. That's the energy I need to bring into my life, Brendan. That's like really what yeah. I need to do. I need to just like it's wake up every morning and do that. Let's go. That's what we can Let's all aspire on. to. All right. Um, yeah. Back to the team that apparently thought Russell Westbrook was a vampire. The Los Angeles Lakers, they have welcomed LeBron James back to their, locker room and they are looking pretty solid i have a question before we get into this one as well for you chris what are you the lebron james of because this 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 doctor that lebron was able to track down to fix his apparently like ruptured foot tendon which he also if people don't didn't remember he finished the game that he got that injury then it you you mm-hmm. come to find out it, it was pretty severe, although I always feel like superstars tend to embellish a little bit on that stuff. He posts the picture of himself in like a back to tank in like in Star Wars. And then um, he is 
back and telling us that the the secret and key to his success and his quick return and and you know re- regeneration of this foot tendon was that he partnered up with got treatment from the LeBron James of feet. So that's the background. But uh, I also gave you a little time there. What is your uh, what what are you the LeBron James of? Consuming media that makes me sad. Just consuming like music okay. and movies and things that I'm just like I'm always in my sad boy era. Like Brennan, we're recording this on on Thursday the the thirtieth, but you know what comes out on the thirty first? Yeah, boy the boy genius, genius album. You know who, Guess what? I got tickets. The- I'm going. I'm sorry I, to make you so jealous. I, I don't think they're coming anywhere no, near I'm going. you. But no, I'm going. Oh, in you June. are where? I am. Yes, yeah, so, uh, they're playing in Columbus. I'm going with friends of the okay. friends of the program, Bill D. Filippo and Nick Kimiati. I get to go on and Love take it. a Friday off of work, drive down, and they're playing. It's part of that reset festival. So Barty Strange ah. opening. So I get to see okay. them in Columbus. So yeah, I'm, but see, so I that the... that festival thing, they're not coming to Phoenix. So I was counting on like, please do an actual tour. Don't just do this weird yeah. outdoor thing. Right. And then they came in clutch, and they're coming to Phoenix for that. So great, we're both going to be happy. Well, I well <laughs> might not be happy. We're both going if to enjoy play, ourselves. If if they play me and my dog, I might just like turn into a puddle of 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 sad, and Bill will just have to like put me in a cup and like reconstitute my body. Yeah. Well, I I think um, while I respect the the LeBron James of, yeah, I was trying to think of this because I knew the question was going to come back to me. Um, Yeah, sure. I think I'm the LeBron James of. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, I want it to be cool. I don't want it to be like (laughs) I've I've uh, given up on rewatching. Well, no, I mean like, uh, yeah, okay, here. So probably rewatching. Uh, I'll say rewatching Adam Sandler films. I watched Happy Gilmore over the weekend. Okay. I think prior to that, I had just watched uh, Just Go With It. Uncut Gems is like once every couple months. So there we go. That's what I'm LeBron James. Lo- with. Are you? Uh, are you? Uh, I, I would like. To, are you excited for the? Do you know that the Sandler Sandler is gonna re team with the Safties for a move? Yeah, I'm really excited about that in the sports card world. I don't really know what that means, but let's go. I don't know how a Safties movie, they make these really intense, like crazy movies, like Good Time and Uncut Gems and how they're going to do that in the sports card world. Like, I can't wait to see. But let's move on to like our actual time. I just picture Lakers. I just no, let's let's not. Let's not. Um, <laughs> I picture our guy, our just baseball guy, Aram Layton, who is a, a sports card guy, just like yeah. getting a very featured role and just grabbing Adam Sandler by like the collar of his shirt and barking into his face with like the weekend is, playing in the background is, is and he, some sort he, of intense he, score and whatever. He he's going to be the guy from uncut. I have the, the role of uncut gems of like the real guy who'd like done some stuff in real life yelling, you having a good time. Yeah. And he's going to be screaming at it. Yeah. Sandler, And that's going to be arm. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Exactly. So that, that's, that, that is a movie I'm very excited for. That is what I am the LeBron James of. Let's get to him. Um, so the Lakers are quietly 500. Now they're six and four in their last 10 games. They uh, have had a couple of nice games. Um, I think they beat the Bulls twice. Or no, they lost the first one. They beat them by 11 on Wednesday night. And I like this team. Mm -hmm. They're plus 5.1 per 100 possessions with AD and LeBron on the court this year. That's not elite, but it's it's solid. It's where you want to be. It means that when they are both healthy and playing well, that team is going to be hard to beat because they both are going to play a lot of minutes in the playoffs. I tried to look up some way to quantify this and it didn't really show up in the numbers. So maybe I'm wrong. It feels like the ball moves better since the deadline. 
even though they have guys like D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder who aren't necessarily, you know, traditional like Chris Paul, Darius Garland, share the rock point guards, it just feels like it kind of pings around. There's better spacing. The roster makes more sense. And Anthony Davis is playing like an absolute monster. So I would not want to face this team. Provided LeBron's foot tendon and the LeBron James of feet procedure all goes according to plan. Um, I would not want to play them in the play-in. I would not want to deal with them in the first round if I'm Denver or Memphis. I think this is a real legit team that I don't think is a necessarily finals threat just because of the health and age concerns and depth concerns, but is definitely a, a, a first-round frisky team that that I, I would want to avoid. Winning a series for them is is very much just in play. Like it, it feels very much play, and I, I think you're you're stressing the the right thing on the the mall movement stuff. LeBron had a quote the other day that I think gets at this. You know, he said that the number one thing is we have multiple ball handlers. So quote, no one so no one has to feel stressed handling the ball every possession. We've got shot makers in that starting lineup, and we have a lot of length. The recipe is is here. Like it is not like it is funny that to some degree they have gone back to like the the recipe of team that won the freaking title in the bubble. Right. Like, yeah, like it's like, oh, we did all of this stuff. We traded all of these picks and did all these things and made all these mistakes. And you kind of got back to a version of that. And like, I don't think they're going to get to that same point. I'm agree with you on that. I think them winning four series, winning 16 games would be really hard. Like, even if they somehow made it out of the West, like, I don't get like, what I don't think they'd match up well against any of those teams in the East. Even with LeBron and AD, yeah. it's like I think the the whoever comes out of the East is going to be the favorite. I think to win it all this year. That's where I'm at right now. And it is. I looked like up LeBron, the other day. Did you realize yeah. Milwaukee has 55 wins? Yeah, they're really good. Like I, <laughs> they're just, I know that just sounds just, like a really stupid observation to be like, did you check the standings the other day? But man, yeah, they're that's, great. That's that, genuinely that, impressive. That so I agree with you. Are, I think that they're the they're the favorite, but or you know whoever gets out of the East, I think they would be the favorite to get out of the East is, is going to be the odds on team. But I have, uh, do you think that the Lakers would let's set the nuggets aside? Let's say I feel like I would pick the Lakers over the wolves in the seven, eight play. And if that's what it ends up being, we'll get to another team in the play yeah. in just a moment, but I agree. I'll say I would pick the Lakers. So let's say they get the seven seed. Mm-hmm. Denver, Memphis. I'm probably picking the Lakers. Yeah. And like also just like too. that, that series is spicy. Like there's heat there, you know, and it's like mm. you get Triple J and AD, you get Ja going against like the LeBron of it all. Like you get LeBron trying to beat this younger team. You, I mean, Dylan Brooks will surely do something that will piss somebody off in that series. Will probably piss off LeBron at some point in that series. Um, and we should we should note like beyond like the guys they got at the deadline, like Austin Reeves is just like legitimately pretty great for them. And like, he feels like a guy that is going to show up in the playoffs in a meaningful way. Their new starting lineup, Russell Reeves, James Vanderbilt Davis, uh, 38 possessions, not a lot, plus 40.2 points per 100 possessions. There are per 100 possessions. Um, they're outscoring teams by 40 per 100 possessions. Like that's, that is, uh, probably one of the better starting lineups provided it stays. It won't be that good forever, but if it if it's even anywhere near that, you're talking about one of the more statistically dominant starting lineups that will be in the playoffs. So I don't think it's crazy to buy into this team with the development that Reeves has had with the trades. I even think like, you know, 
they've they've kind of tamped down Rui's role. He's not been playing great, but like even the ability to to kind of have him just be playing 12 minutes is not like horrible. Like they just they don't really have a lot of weak points in their roster when they're healthy. And Davis, man, like he he's been just so good. Like I I was thinking about this. Is is Anthony Davis the best face-up scorer in the NBA? I think the other contenders would be Giannis, Randall, my, who we my, talked about, Joel Embiid, right? There's a lot of great ones. I think Davis might be the the best considering the handle, the pull-up mm. jump shot ability, and the size. You can't really contest his jumper, and he can dribble past you with the quickness and, and angles that he can get to. And just he just dunks on your head when you're not expecting it all the time. I think he might be the best. I think I might genuinely think he's better than all those guys I just listed. Yeah, I might give Giannis just a slight edge because I feel like Giannis is a little bit more inevitable just because of the strength and some of the the bruising nature of what he can do. But there, there certainly is a ton of craft in like in AD. Like I would definitely put him ahead of Randall for sure. I mean, like the yeah, pull up yeah. game, the the ability to kind of switch into a post up if he needs to, some of the footwork. Brendan, the real only question I have with this team is just health. That's where I'm at with it. Like, is LeBron going to be healthy enough? Is AD going to be healthy enough? If those guys are healthy, they're going to be a pain. And if they, if one of them gets hurt, then like we're back to just where we were because this team is like you know in the plane race and stuff. But like certainly, that's where. Um, I, can I let me ask you this before we wrap up on the Lakers? If you who who do you have more faith in making the conference finals, the Lakers or the Warriors? I think I I still have to say the Warriors. I think Curry is the best player of anybody on those two teams. I think that they have vastly more, you know, institutional knowledge than the Lakers. I mean, the other part of the Lakers thing is they've never really played a lot of they haven't played many important games with each other. You know, yes. this is a team that even though the trades were good, it still was two months ago or one month ago that that happened. And so they're not exactly like a seasoned experienced group, but I mean, I think next week we're going to do sort of like our, our final questions heading into the final week of the season. And one of mine is, are we ever getting Andrew Wiggins back? And if not, I, then maybe the Lakers like is the answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the war we think this could be second round if the Warriors stay at six and we'll see what happens. Obviously vis-a-vis the Clippers who are five right now. Um, you could get Warriors Lakers round two if if both those teams pull off upsets, or you get like a Lakers yeah. King series maybe, which is like a throwback to the nineties in a very fun way. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun stuff. And look, Brendan, it, it kills yeah. me to admit it. Sometimes it's it it is just more fun when the Lakers are involved than LeBron, and particularly for me when LeBron is involved. When LeBron is involved, it feels bigger. Things feel like just like a a much more seismic kind of thing. I will tell you, uh, as somebody who had a vested interest in the Suns beating them in a very similar two to seven, two seven type of matchup in 2021, uh, regardless of whatever optimism I had about some advantages the Suns might have maintained in that series, I was absolutely terrified. I don't think it's different that he's now 37, 38 versus when he was 35, 36. Then I don't care if it's him and and Davis. Even you're just you're never going to feel comfortable. They're going to own you know the you know, the, the vibe and the, the just it's, it's the Lakers, it's those two players. And when you're talking about Memphis or you're talking about Sacramento or you're talking about even Minnesota in the play in, I just, that matters. It, 
it's intimidating, it's nerve wracking, and and they're they're good now too. On top of all the uh, you know, whatever you want to throw in there as far as the superlatives that I just said. So we'll see. Uh, another absence, which is a long time coming at this point. We had to cut this from the last show on our 2020 redraft, but Damian Lillard is has been shut down this year and won't play the rest of the season for Portland. I thought some of the quotes that he has had the past week were really interesting and also very easily captured in little Instagram and Twitter takeoffs that make it a bad conversation. So let's have a better version of that conversation. Cause I do think it was interesting. He went on JJ Reddick's podcast, which I didn't listen to. I will say, but I, I, I read I, the, I did, you know, I did okay. that gr- really, so really, he basically really great said, interview. yeah, tell people what he said, tell people what he said about, about ring culture and people thinking he might retire early was something I yeah. saw out there about what he was talking about, yeah. but, but you, you heard it. So tell us. So the gist of what he said was really like, I'm like, not, he's like ring culture and all that is like he kind of without like saying anything kind of like kind of condemned ring culture it was kind of like i have a life outside of this like i like i want to win i'm competitive but like i am not gonna just get myself kind of tied into all that like i think some of that is bogus like i have a family outside of this like i have i have like i'm a, a well-adjusted outside of this he doesn't like seem like a guy who as much as i think he is very competitive and is and clearly his track record indicates this like isn't going to just like chase that for the sake of chasing it. I, I that doesn't just seem how he's operated regardless of what he said there. It just doesn't seem to me like he's a guy who he it feels more like he's like okay, like I we need to do something maybe different with this pick to accelerate this or whatever. And like that's what he's asking for more than trade me, which is I think is how a lot of people seem to to take it. Yeah, I want to get into those comments, which he basically gave sort of once it became clear he was going to get shut down. Uh, he talked to Chris Mannix and and was pretty open and honest, which he always is. But speaking of things we listen to, so I am a, a big Dan Lebitard show fan. And uh, the the co-host of that show, Stu Gotts, is big on don't tell me how to fan. That's like his, yeah. his perspective, whatever. He's obviously a caricature, but I think that that perspective shines through in a moment like this. I actually, I don't want to say, I don't know how to frame this. I don't think we've gone like too far because who am I to tell Damian Lillard how far to go when he's describing his own experience. But you start to get to a point from a fan perspective, people who dedicate a lot of their time and energy, whether you think it's silly or how much they should care, whatever people do in the success of the team that Damian Lillard leads. And people around the NBA that like him, I do think that's the thing with Lillard is that it all is coming from a place of wanting him to succeed. Everybody wants him to get traded because they want to see him be in a better situation. And you Mm -hmm. get to a point not too far down that line of thinking where it's sort of like, what is any of this for then if I'm supposed to root for you to have a family? You know, and I'm, I'm very much oversimplifying it on purpose to illustrate the point that I'm making. But I do sort of feel like the reason we keep coming back to this with Lillard is he talked about in those quotes, the journey, right? Like the journey doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. We can't keep doing that. There are so many ways the league is different now and basically saying we don't appreciate that. Like, dude, the journey's been 15 years for you. 
You know what I mean? And like, I, I do feel like at least from my point of view, and I don't speak for everybody, I'm sure there's some toxic BS that he hears that's not as like thoughtful as what I'm trying to say, but like, no, like we want the journey to, to pay off. Like we want you to end up fulfilling that journey. And whether, whether we like it or not, like that's measured in winning and you're not doing a whole lot of that right now. So I don't know. I, I don't, I think it, it has veered too far with Lillard because it's just been this nonstop thing. He can't avoid questions about it. It never stops, but I don't think it's wrong that people want him to end up somewhere different and they're looking at Portland and feeling like they're not capable of putting around him what they need to for this whole thing to work out. And you're looking down the barrel at Lillard retiring and never even winning a game in the conference finals. Like that's what we're looking at here with him. And he's an amazing player that shouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Two things I I think I would add to that. Number one, this has been maybe the best season of his career and it's going to like mean nothing. And like you could see him pushed out of all NBA because he's going to miss some time and teams will. And, and I think very fairly you'll count like them not winning games against him. Secondly, they are wor- They have a worse record this year than the Washington Wizards, who are like perpetually like the team we define is like stuck. And, and they're apparently like gearing up to give Chris Epps like a chunk of change. They have a worse record than the Bulls who like are, are to a different level and in a different way, kind of like in a weird space. They're they're, they're tied right now record-wise with the Magic, who are purposefully kind of like not very good and are very young. And that, that just doesn't feel like for a guy as good as Dame is, and I understand the league is deeper and it's really hard and like the roster has some really young pieces on it. That just doesn't feel like a pl- like right for a guy of Dame's stature and of Dame's quality and, and the year he's had. So it just feels weird. And then they're now dependent yeah. on lottery luck. Like, you know, they're, they're going to be like, like, you know, fifth or sixth in the lottery for their sake. You'd hope they end up fifth. That's like a 9.8% chance of getting one B, you know, like they'd be a Brandon Miller team over Scoot. I imagine 9.9% chance of that 10% at three, 10.1 at four. And then 20, they're like most likely to be picking sixth or seventh. And just like, what is another sixth or seventh pick? Like, what what is that really doing for you? Like, is that just continuing this? kind of spin cycle well that's i mean right that's what the other quotes were about and if it just for people to to hear where he was coming from with that he said there comes a time where we have the right intentions but we've got to execute we have to actually make that come to life he said he trusts joe cronin the new gm over there he said you know i don't think he would ever tell me one thing and then not do it if anything it would be that we did our best and we just couldn't and then he said i think i've always been firm but like I said, if it comes time where they tell me, man, we can't get it done, maybe it's time for us to turn a page. I don't think that will be the case, but we'll see right now. All I know is I want to win. I think that is a little different than this tone that he's struck in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to make it, will you get traded this summer? Because it's just kind of exhausting. I think it's easier to just listen to what he actually says, but I do think that's different than. I'm here. I want to be here. This is where I'm. This is home. I want to build something. I love the people who stay with one franchise. Like that's kind of been his his perspective most of the time. This is sort of like I I trust the people doing this, but if it keeps not working, then it would only be natural for us to think about a change. And like that's just true. It's not exactly groundbreaking, but it's just different than how he's framed it in the past. Yeah, and look, I I will say like you have seen, you have seen guys like Kevin Garnett and um, 
Paul Pierce and Matt Barnes all kind of be like, look, like they don't, they want to see him kind of saying like they want to see him move on, see him do other stuff. And those are guys with prominent platforms that are former players. And I, that, and KG is somebody who kind of, feels it, right? I mean, he knows well, this situation. K, well, and KG, KG's a guy that if you go back and read some of what he said, he almost like the, the read between lines of is he almost maybe stayed in Minnesota for too long and like wishes maybe he had like oh, advocated yeah. for himself sooner to, to get to Boston to get somewhere where he could feel like he could evolve and win. And I, I wonder if he's, I, that's, I just, I find that just sort of an interesting little bit with Dame, who again has had this insane season that like is going to go for naught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, and they, it, not to pick nits, it feels like you can't ever, like, be negative about Damian Lillard. It's one of those, like, NBA don't do that things. But they're also uh, below 500 with him in the lineup this year. But even then, it's like Jeremy Grant has missed a lot of time. Anthony Simons has missed a lot of time. So even the roster, when it has been, when he's been out there and, and been great, it's been injuries and lack of depth. And almost all of their bench is just, like, super raw rookies or second year guys it's it's just it's just not a roster you would picture a legendary hall of fame top 75 player being on as they kind of carry out their last great years so i again i think it's fair that people are bummed out and i do think most of the time that's where this talk is coming from is just kind of disappointment that he's on a bad team when we love watching him and we want to see those moments like he had against paul uh, against paul george in the playoffs with that super deep Dame time, you know, pointing at his wrist three, you know, that classic picture of him in the ESPN camera, all, you know, mean mugging and everything. Like we want that again. And I don't think it's, it's wrong to want that. So anyway, uh, last absence, Zion Williamson. He is supposed to be reevaluated again this upcoming week. It sounds as if he might finally return. I don't, I don't really know how much we can predict here, Chris, but, I guess what I will say is I thought that the Pelicans played really well against Golden State the other night. I think that they are are back to playing good basketball. Brandon Ingram mm-hmm. has been great in February and March. He's been basically 50, 40, 88 since February 1st, averaging 27 or so points per game. That is the you know all-star killer version of him that that we expected that he wasn't when he was dealing with the toe early on. And I feel good about this team there i think they're a top 10 defense on the season as well I'll if sign can come back answer. i think that they i think that they will be a factor in the play in a team that i would probably pick over the thunder if you're telling me zion can play 25 minutes 30 minutes a night and be close to something resembling himself i i think i would pick them to win that game yeah, six in defense. Uh, cleaning the glass has this metric that tells you like what you know your your win difference based on your your point differential, and they're twenty eighth. Like they should have four more wins based on and and based on what their their point differentials. They're ninth in point differential on the season still, which is which is impressive. It still to me though, Brennan just feels like kind of disappointing. And like I, Zion getting back would be great. I I'm all for that. I think that would be really fun and good to see. The thing that is just a bummer is that it feels like this season could have been more for them. The season just still feels to me like it could have been like a real ascendant season. Like I, I, there's probably another universe where like they have the kind of the ascendant you're the Kings at and are like mm-hmm. up in the top near the East or the West, excuse me, and, and being very celebrated yeah. and having all these euphoric moments. And like 
you're just not going to get that with them. And like, you know, would you pick like if they were to be the eight seed, like I'm like, they're not going to be Denver. I don't think they're going to be Denver. No, no, you know, no. Even with Zion back, even, like, with, not gonna even be with Zion. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to be Denver, but look, I mean, I don't know if I would have picked them. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, look, I, what I was going to say is it kind of reminds me of, I hope it doesn't end up this way, but it kind of reminds me of the season that Minnesota had after the Jimmy Butler trade. If you remember, they were like up in the top four for half the year. Then they dealt with injuries. They, I think they took one game from Houston in that first round series. And then Butler doesn't ever play there again. I, I There wasn't a trade in this case, but you could see change having to come just because you can't wait on health forever. You can't keep your team the same saying, well, if this and if that will just be great, they have these tax concerns coming up and all this stuff. This is sort of the season. And like you said, I think that's where a lot of the disappointment comes from is it just wasn't able to click. And now you're talking about, you know, can he play the final weekend of the regular season and then be amazing in the play-in game? Like it, you know, it, it might just be what Zion's career is, but that doesn't mean you have to feel great about it. You know, if you're evaluating and analyzing them and, yeah, it's insane that they're ninth and off in, in net rating. That doesn't make any sense no. uh, at all. This has been a, a dumb season, to be completely honest. If that, it's not even an insult to them. But like, what are what are what is happening in the NBA if the regular season ends up with a team that loses in the play-in being top ten in net rating? That that doesn't really add up. But yeah, I hope he plays. He's one of my absolute favorite players to watch. He's on my wall behind me. But uh, it's hard to to feel anything close to certainty about any of this right now, including what happens this summer. Yeah. Look, I, and I think the West, regardless of where all this shakes out, there's still a ton to figure out. We're headed towards chaos. Like chaos is a ladder in the Western conference. It's just where we are at. And like right now, the Mavericks are outside of the playing tournament. They are the 11th seed. And like, like Kyrie's calling them a clusterfuck. Here we are. Like, this is where we're at the last week of the, 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 where the East feels Kind of like we know what it is to some degree with like who's going to be way who's going to be in and and who gets with some jockeying back and forth to see who ends up where the West is a little just like like the Jazz are not of yet they're they're I don't think they're going to get in but they're a game and a half back of the of the ten spot right now like mm-hmm. we're we're in for some some fun stuff the rest of the way in the West yeah. and the Pelicans I th- I think especially as I am back are at the like they are a part of that and that is at least good even if I'm not super optimistic about what is to come. It should be a fun play in in the West. Should be a blast in the playoffs. Imagine Hopefully, if the, imagine guys if the like, Warriors slide into the the play in. Can you imagine like just like <laughs> that first year of the play in? We got Lakers Warriors, which is like an all timer. Um, so I'm down. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, guys like Paul George, Andrew Wiggins, etc., do come back because I just I want to see the best versions of all these teams. But mm-hmm. uh, as we just talked about, none of this is is a certainty in terms of players being available let alone uh winning and, and being I, the best that'll wrap I, us up I, for I today did, though well, guys I, yeah i i did uh i did just to end on a i did um google andrew wiggins real quick to see if we got an update and we got they said he's gonna come of, back soon or something they're not planning for him to be missed the yeah. regular season right wasn't that what it was yeah we, we, kerr steve kerr said that wiggins returning at some point quote hasn't even been discussed end quote so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what that means, but it's something. Yeah. They said they, they they say at the same time we don't have any expectations for him to be back soon, but also we don't think for sure that he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. It's like, "Hey Steve, there's a week left. What's up?" I don't know. So anyway, I sounded like a, a New Yorker at a bar there, but that's 
gonna be the you end of our show. Y- Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what? You we're just yeah. There. Go ahead. You were yeah. just there. Yeah. That's all I was gonna that's, say. That's sorry. That's what it turn- takes out of us. I, I we should have really been that for the Julius Randall segment. I think um, more than anything, just just channel yeah. that that vibe. Just but yelling Bing Bong. Thank yeah. you to Dylan Heiser and Jake Stevens for producing the show. To all of our listeners, followers, subscribe to us wherever you're finding us, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Drop a comment below with your thoughts on all of these absences and returns. Follow us on social media wherever you are. We are Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And we will see you all next week.